Christy, thank you, thank you. The song we just sang, it says, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. How can you sing that song without any emotion? Look, I've been pastoring a long time, uh, and it seems like to me that most Christians now in America live a defeated life. Uh, that just seems like that to me. It really does. Um, there's always something or someone in our lives or something, and joy is about as rare as finding gold in your clo uh, clothes hamper. You go there and you find a pot of gold. You know that's never going to happen. That's what it seems like with us as Christians. Uh, now, now listen, why is this? Why is it? Well, times are hard. They've always been hard. Well, you never had a president like, yes, they have. There's always been rotten leaders, rotten situations, horrible health, tragedies, always, absolutely always. Now, the Word of God says that His mercy has been renewed for you this morning. Total abundant supply of new mercy for you. For you this morning. It's what the Word tells us. God also tells us that His, His grace is sufficient no matter what you're going through. So you don't have to get in line to see me and to tell me what you're going through. Because it's really different. No, it's not. Because God says his grace is sufficient for you. It also tells us that in his presence is fullness of joy. In God's presence, I'm giving you the word of God. Yet I don't see it reflected in us, in the American Christian could our walk with God in America be based merely on intellect? Because even as I say these scriptures, I'm catching a little nod, nod, nod. You have that in your knower. You have that in your head. But I swear it's only intellect that we have. Ezekiel 3 says this, Moreover, he said unto me, Now, Michael, don't worry about this. This is before the message. Seriously. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, eat what you find. What I'm going to give you this morning, you've got to eat it. It's what the word of God says. Eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. That's what I'm doing. Verse 2 says, so I opened my mouth, listen, and he caused me to eat it. He caused me. Because he wants it to become a part of me. Not a badge, I love Jesus. Honk if you love Jesus. He wants it to become a part of me. That I believe in his presence is fullness of joy. And that no matter what turn I go through and what's facing me, his grace is sufficient for me. In my knower, deep inside, Is it possible that all we've done was acquire intellect, intellectual knowledge of the truth, while our hearts are entirely unaffected in the American church? Colossians 2.9 says this, For in him, listen to this one, For in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All of it. You haven't been shortchanged anything with God. You didn't get kind of a risen Savior, kind of grace, sort of mercy. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Listen, and you are complete in him. Has nothing to do with a better job, living in a better state, better girlfriend, more money, another car. Nothing to do with that. You are absolutely complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Uh-uh. We don't got that. Now, let's simply examine 
just one of these powerful words that we drown with our intellect and neglect it daily. We drown it. Comes ineffective in us. And it's God's grace. What is that? The grace of God. And I've heard that word misused my entire saved life, probably more than any other word ever. The grace of God. What is that? Most modern day Christians just yawn at that word. You ever ponder it? Ponder it? You ever dig after it? You ever want to eat it and put it inside? What is that? Mm -mm, we don't. We use it. We'll say it. God's grace. To most of us, grace is an afterthought. We're unmoved by this word. You're not sitting there going, oh, we're going to talk about grace. I've been waiting for it and praying for this for years. No, you haven't. Huh. You know, or is grace merely a hug from God? You know, when you need it, your rough day, come here. Little pat on the back, nice try, son. Is that God's grace? Or is it just something you say at table? Who's saying grace? And then what's usually the crack? Grace. This unbelievable, powerful word. God's grace. What is it? In our culture, the enemy has been redefining words and changing their meaning for years. Redefining. You young folks? Uh, did you ever see the Star Wars movie when them smaller things with long legs walk in a little, I don't know what they are, Ewoks, Ewoks, some kind of walk, roll those big logs, out, and that big thing goes, ooh. That's our young folks. You have no clue the words anymore. They're totally changed. Absolutely changed. They are. When my sons first started helping out in the ministry, one of the first things I told them was, get yourself an old Webster dictionary for just that reason. They've changed words. They've changed our school books. They're changing the definition of words. So you won't have a leg to stand on. If words lose their meanings, truth is lost. You have no clue what grace means. Grace is one of those words that has been under attack for years. All through my generation, almost 50 of serving God constantly. As a result, the church has lost the true meaning of it. No, no, that's not, no. Yes, it is. It's the biblical definition of grace. Well, I'm under grace. That's what I hear all the time. If I have to confront somebody, look at somebody and say, what are you doing? Well, <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I'm under grace. God understands. He knows I'm trying Jeez. It's like receiving that little hug from God and encouraging me to keep trying. Nice, nice try, my son. I know you had a bad day. Is that the grace of God? To hug you when you skinned your knee? Now I know our God is kind and loving and merciful. Yes, I know that. But what is this grace? What happened to biblical grace in the house of God, in America? Well, Jude tells us what happened. Jude 1.4 tells us, right out, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men. 
Look what they did. Turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Crept in unaware. That's what makes it so dangerous. They are unnoticed. They're here. Changed it. They changed it. Crept in amongst us. They ain't sitting at a bar going great. They're not, no. They're here. They're behind pulpits. Same verse, New Living. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Listen, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. What? Oh, God understands. I'm under grace. Oh, I know I, I shouldn't, but I just couldn't help myself. I, I'm not worried about it, though, because we live under grace. Definition of lasciviousness, unbridled lust, unbridled. You don't bridle a horse, he's doing what he wants, when he wants, and get out of his way. Unbridled. Excess. A license to sin. They have crept in and spread that all through the church for years, my entire life. And I've been saved, I'll be saved 50 years next year. When you turn the grace of God into a freedom to commit sin, what are you doing? You're doing the works of ungodliness. Even though you carry it around and highlight it. Ah, that's not grace. That's what Jude tells us. God is merciful? Yes. Long-suffering? Yes. Kind? Absolutely. And he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yes. To save us. That's why he came. To tear down prison walls. Not to just hug us. Oh, nice try. Oh, you're so... What? Gone through all that to save us, not to hug us, to rescue us, to tear down prison walls, to set the captives free, free from addiction, free. I'm no longer a slave to fear. He split the sea so I could walk right through it. Any sea that's facing you, hate, unbridled lust, pornography, God says, I'll split that so you can walk. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Every one of us fear. And you have been set free from it. I am a child of God. <sighs> Looking at you, I'm thinking of the High State Michigan game. See how they would respond to a song. Or whoever scores. And they play those certain tunes, tunes that they play. Your big old belly be bouncing around with a yellow M or a scarlet O. Standing up. And singing. Like that song declares. That you can stand now and sing and say, I am a child of God. And we don't have the guts to do it. Or the insight, because we've drowned it with our intellect. It's not down here. It's in here. You know it's true. I know you know it's true. When you introduce what I'm trying to do, this biblical grace, it will be one of the most exciting things you'll ever hear. 
and that you'll ever understand. I'm saved by that. By what? Grace. I'm not going to burn in hell because of that. Because of what? Grace. I've been redeemed. I've given a second chance. I'm a child of God. How? By grace. Oh, that grace. Yes. Ephesians 2.8 tells us, For by grace are you saved. And he quickly tells us, It's not of yourselves. No wonder uh, most of us are living uh, uh, defeated lives. We are, as a church. Fearful lives. Afraid to speak out, afraid to volunteer, afraid to worship hard. Because we don't know what we have. We don't. He's no respecter of persons. Everybody has this. Nobody's been shortchanged. You have what the Bible calls grace. But in the American Christian culture, it's unmoving, it's unstirring. Because we've been duped by the enemy's plan as he's changing meaning of words. You're not going to call on grace when the enemy's got his foot on your neck because you don't have that in you. When the enemy's got you in the corner, you're going through horrible times, horrific times. You don't seem to go to the throne room of grace. Grace. Don't you got a plan? Don't you got something I can do? Can't you go talk to her? Can't you go talk to him? When you have, the enemy has his foot on your neck, you're not going to ask God for a hug or a pat on the back. That's all what it means to us in America. You're not. Okay, Hebrews 4.16 tells us this. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Grace sits on the throne. The throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Anybody need mercy? And what? Find grace. Oh, God, this is so hard, but I'm going through, God, please. You'll find grace. Obtain mercy, find grace to help in time of need. Who isn't in a time of need? Personal, nation, our nation, our state wants abortion. Wants it. In time of need means before you are overwhelmed by temptation, fear, or sin. Run to the throne of grace. Run. But we don't run to the throne of grace because we don't have that meaning, biblical meaning and understanding in us. God says it's sufficient. What is grace? Really, Pastor? What is biblical grace? It's strength. It's coming from God. It's his enabling power. For you to go through some ungodly trial that's come your way. God's grace, his strength, his enabling power. It cleanses us and washes us. That grace. Drives away sin from us. 
so that you and I can have a supernatural life in God. Not a whole lot of that in America. Grace will cause us to conform into his image. Be like Christ. Act like Christ. Talk like Christ. It will cause you to conform. Cause you to. Because it's sufficient. It's an abundant supply. This is how we can become the light of the world. What a calling. What a calling. This is how you defeat fear. This is how you turn mourning into dancing. Grace. God's grace. How on earth can you get through it? You can't. But grace can. You can't do this without grace. Without the grace of God, you cannot. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Now listen, you can name, I was going to list things to heck with it. I was going to list, you're going through this, you're going through that. You're going, you know what you're going through. Life is a pain most of the time. And that word grace is sufficient. That word sufficient means it's all you need in every situation. It's all you need. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength, my strength is made perfect in weakness. I can't do it, God. I know it. But my grace will be made perfect in your weakness. So you can. You don't have to fail. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I, will I uh, glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Not a hug. Not a pat on the back. Not a license. Go ahead. Try better next time. No, it's God's strength coming in you. And the Lord never loses. You have God's strength in you. Now, if you're a true believer, and it's made perfect in me, what is grace made perfect? Not flawed, not half strong, half grace. Same verse, new living again. Each time he said, my grace is all you need, every one of you. And I know that sometimes you want to say, well, if I could just tell you what I'm going through. It doesn't matter. I know there are heartaches. I know hearts are broken. I know horrible things happen. But God says, it's all you need. Again, our lousy intellect drowns out the power. Of that word grace. He says, so uh, now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. What can work through me? His grace. His grace. How could they cuff somebody from behind? Tie him to a stake, light a match, and they sing glory to God. It's God's grace. All right. Here's the actual definition, biblical definition of grace. God's divine influence. Listen. His divine influence upon your heart. 
God will come upon you, upon your heart, listen, and reflect it in your life. God's divine as you go to the throne room of grace in time of need. God pours his divine influence upon your life in your heart so it's reflected in your walk. Not a pat on the back. Oh, you almost did good. Come here, you. Grace. Powerful word. And God's given it to us. Almighty God moves upon your life with his divine influence, which is grace. So you don't have to give in to sin. You don't have to. You don't have to. I don't care how good she looked, how much money he had. I don't care. You did not have to if you were plugged in to his grace. It's not a hug or a pat on the back. So by changing the definition of the word, the enemy's duped us. He's blinded us to the power and strength and help that comes from the word grace. It's God's power. I heard it explained just the other day. It's the gusto of grace. And it's for you. How are you saved? Well, my mom, no. It's God's grace. The grace of God. How are you saved from temptation, lust, pornography, drugs, whatever filth that the enemy throws? How? How are you saved from that right now as we live in a crooked and perverse generation? How are you getting through it? Oh, I just hold my breath. And I just, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's God's grace. If you would plug into it and understand it. One Corinthians 15:10, Paul says this. This is what he says. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Now we use that for an excuse. When we flub up, we trip and fall, when we drink, we sit, whatever. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I mean, what are you going to do about it? So why is Paul what he is? Scripture tells us, I just read it. Think of Paul's life, what he accomplished. Paul says, you know, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He didn't say about his schooling. He didn't say about his intellect, his discipline, his strong will, bulldog, tenacity. He said, you know what? I am what I am by the grace of God. We use it as an excuse to not do what God wants us to do or to explain why we fall, fell short again. So Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. That's what I am. In our terminology, that's a license that just come up short. Oh, nice try. I understand. Me too. Is that what Paul is saying? In that verse, Paul gives the grace of God all the credit for the change in his life. For the unbelievable. He was hunting down people like you. He hated you. And all of a sudden, he's changed, forgiven, cleansed, full of love when he was full of hate. What happened? Grace. That's what he just told us. He knew this was not his own accomplishment, but it was the work of grace. The guy that wrote, oh, so many New Testament books. He could be so puffed up on the book tour, selfies, my own YouTube channel. He said, that wasn't me. It was grace. Paul said, me? I was a murderer. I was hunting down your carcass. The same grace that Paul has 
You have it. What you doing with it? Listen. Here's what we're not going to like in the American church. Because I know you probably didn't like when I barked a little bit about the volunteers. In our lap, public school children don't have a clue. No, I can't volunteer. What? Paul says, 1510, 1 Corinthians, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Listen now, got to listen real good. And this grace which was bestowed upon me, it's a gift. That's what that means. Gift. Bestowed. God's no respecter of, that's Paul, Paul, no, he's no respecter of person. Bestowed upon me, it wasn't in vain. Please, God, don't let our grace be in vain. Please, listen to the rest of this. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Is he bragging? No, listen to what he says. Yet not I. It's the grace of God that did it. I couldn't help myself. I just had to do something for God. Please, what can I do? It's, you see it? it? I read that scripture a bunch, and I don't know if I already caught that at the end. But I labored more abundantly than they all. I would just stop there. Man, he sure did. That Paul was unreal. There ain't no one like him these days. There could be. Could be a church full of them. Because he says, hey, I'm telling you, it wasn't me. He bought in. His intellect did not drown the power of that word grace. His heart captured it. And then he was driven to serve God. And yet when he looked back on it, he said, you know what? That wasn't me. That was the grace, God's divine influence. How awesome is that? Paul said, it wasn't me laboring. It wasn't like, oh, for crying out, all right, I'll volunteer. That's what? No, don't. It wasn't me laboring. It says, but it was the grace of God that was with me or given to me. It was a gift, and I just had to. Listen, God lives his life through you. He's given you, and we're just touching the tips of one word, grace. Just one little word. When you surrender your life to Christ, maybe some of you haven't, he comes into your heart, but the word of God tells us. He comes into your heart and your life. And when that happens, you now have access to that throne of grace every time you're in time of need. By yourself, on the job, everything is rotten. Sometimes you just feel like going crazy. You can call upon you, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to lose it. I've said, I've said uh, that's one of my prayers. Everything just kind of goes wrong. I mean, and you drop your keys and you're ready to explode. One more thing. And I'll say, Lord, please, please come upon me. Listen to me. It's fail-proof. It's fail-proof for you and me. All you have to do is enter in and ask the Father. Jesus said, in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he'll give it. When it lines up with his word, our big prayers are, Lord, give me a parking lot space in front of Walmart so I don't have to walk. And listen, make this clear. Your leg could be hurting so bad. 
badly twisted your ankle, you can say, Father, please, can I just have a parking? And he'll do it. It'll be there for you. I'm not making light of that. So we pray and say, Father, can I have the Spirit of God to live in my life? Can I have the Holy Spirit? Can I have your life in me? Just ask. Could I live by your grace? Ask. Are you stuck in the quicksand? Most people hate themselves. I don't know anymore. That was before selfies. We might love ourselves now, which is probably worse than hating. Sometimes we just get stuck in life and you feel yourself sinking, drowning, drowning in fear, fear of what's going to happen. Fear now Ohio has bowed its dumb knee to abortion. Now we got 24 or five, almost half the country. The enemy has so many giants screaming at us and intimidating you. Are you ready to face them? Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able. There's another one we read. I don't know if we pay attention to that. Unto him, not you, me, I'm not able. Unto him that is able. I wanted to move some shrubs. I'm not able. I used to. I'm not able. I have shovels. I'm still not able. It hurts. Call one of my young grandsons, just pops them right up. I used to do that. I'm not able. I called for help. So the enemy has people screaming at us. And the Lord says, no problem, now unto him that is able. Man, what a statement. Listen to me real closely. There isn't anything you're able to do. Oh, I, I, I could drive the tractor and plow the 50. No, you can't. God did that for you. He put it in you. The knowledge, the know-how, the means. See, we take credit for things that we shouldn't. And God says, I am able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And we just want that for prosperity and goods and money. And God said, no, no, no. That's the creep who came in unnoticed. This is for you have the power to rise up over everything, all situations. Again, and it's been drowned by who wormed themselves in. Bought time on TV. That verse is not talking about us. It's talking about God. Unto him, unto him, capital H, to do exceedingly abundantly of all that we ask or think. How? According to the power where? That worketh in us. It's in you. You can't come to me and say, I couldn't help myself. Baloney. That which God has given you, you're drowning in your own intellect. We have given, he have given us power to live an impossible life. And we know that the church is equal to the world and everything that goes wrong with them goes wrong with us. We're drowning this tremendous, powerful book with our intellect. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, the psalmist said.
we have been given this power to live an impossible life. It is. But he has it impossible. But God says, no problem. Not with me. Not with me. Look what I give you every morning. My grace is sufficient. My mercy is there. My joy is there. This is called the gospel of grace. We've heard that. But, but no impact to us. Our intellect goes off. That's right. You're right. Amen. That's true. You're not wrong, Pastor. I'm not going to say anything. That's right. Amen. We have so diminished the gospel of grace that you are probably having a very hard time right now wrapping your head around this. Verse 20 says, according to the power that worketh in us. Do you have power working within you? Or do you just hide it real good? Do you have power working within you? Do you have the strength and might of an army? An army of heaven working within you. Lord, take these hands. Lord, take these hands and cause them to do the work of God Almighty on this earth. Last few times, going to sleep, I try to remember to pray for Ruth and I, Lord, we want to do the work for you, but our bodies are failing us. Lord, make our bodies young again. I'm not looking and look in the mirror and I look like some move. I, Lord, don't let everything hurt all the time or give me the grace, to, Lord. Take these hands and cause them to do the work of Almighty God on this earth. Lord, cause this heart not to be divided or get cold off. Lord, take these eyes and don't let them roam ever. Don't ever let them come off of you. Lord, take these feet. Don't let them walk down the broad way. Let them choose the narrow way, Lord. You understand grace is bigger than you thought. Grace wants to do a work in you this morning. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace. Oh, gee, sorry, whatever your name is. I just ran out, sorry. If you come back next week, another supply. No, no God's got all the grace in the world. More than the world. He is grace. Listen. Turn that intellect off. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Listen. All grace, all divine influence. All the power, godly power you need. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. What a scripture. 1 Pete 5.10 says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us, into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered. He doesn't say, oh, it's just going to be wonderful all the time. He knows it's not. In this world you shall have tribulation, heartaches. I can't believe it. But God says, 
I've overcome it. After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Who can? Oh, grace! What's that grace do? It'll make you perfect, mature in God. No longer tricked by the worm that slips in, ungodly. It'll establish you. You'll be known for righteousness and godliness. Strengthens you when the tsunamis of life in a crooked, perverse country comes against you. You will be strengthened with your family behind you. Settle us. It means it'll make you stable. Won't be like you live in the bottom of the ocean floor being tossed and turned. No, 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 this is it. How am I supposed to do that? You can't, but he can. By grace. Be honest. The last time you thought of that word, the last time you put any energy into that word, thought, looked it up, now, unto him that is able. All right, here we go. This altar area today, this morning, is going to be the throne of grace. And this is a religion, if you want to call it that. I hate that word, but it is one where you have to make choices. You have to decide. It's the way God has set it up. Whosoever will. This is the throne of grace this morning. Now, today. I'm counting on that. By God. And your job, according to the word of God, is to come boldly this morning. Because God tells us that because he knows in your head you're going, oh, I can't do that. I'm not God. I don't know if he loves me anymore. That's not what the word says. God says, I want you, my children, to come boldly before me this morning down to the throne of grace. Why? That you can get mercy and find grace in your time of need. Not zip up, click the pen, and go home. Some things you've got to find and obtain. So you can find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Do you get that song, Graves in the Gardens? The enemy's digging your grave. That's what he has planned for you. And if you don't know Christ, you're in that grave. But through God's grace and his salvation, he said, I will turn your grave into a garden. And that other song that we were singing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. He says, let us sing our freedom. In that song, he talks about being liberated. My dad would tell me some stories sometimes about when they would drive through France and places where they were setting them free. They were hanging off the balconies and singing and throwing flowers. They were unbelievably, because they were liberated from a hard taskmaster. They were being set free. And that song sings about that. Let us sing our freedom so we can stand and say, I am a child of God. You split the sea so I can walk right through it. What sea do you need split? 
this morning? What sea? What roadblock? What detour? The enemy has tricked you to go down this road, and it looks so good right now. I believe if you move to this song that God will split your problems so that you could walk right through them. I can't imagine what it was like walking through when God split the seas. It had to be pretty intimidating. Cool, awesome, and scary. And God will split those seas and all those creep giants will be screaming at you but they can't get you. And if you keep walking toward the throne room of grace, God will split all your problems. The song says, he'll drown my fears in his perfect love. Perfect. Your fears. Don't dare to tell me you're not fearful. Got up the next morning, checked the vote count, wasn't even close. First thing, come on, I went, oh, what's going to happen now? God says, my love will drown all that stuff. My perfect love will drown. And it says, you wrestled, rescued me so I can stand and sing. I'm no longer a slave to fear. They're all going to vote it and pass it. I'm going to stand and sing, I am a child of God. Now let's stand, please. Now I can't help you if you tune out and you want to go home. I can't help you you want to that's your business and God's before you do please remember the need that we have across there we're wearing out three people already so we've been going seven weeks we're wearing them out we're going to play that song